Welcome everyone to Tamriel Adventures, a show that brings you information from all across the far reaches of Tamriel. I am your host, Eric, aka Silior, and this one is the Kajiti Merchant. So, we have a lot to get to today, and it has been a crazy week. So, I got the last episode of Nintendo out, which we are now covering the Legend of Zelda series. So, definitely check that out. But I did want to take a moment and just thank everybody who contributed to the last episode, the listener suggestions episode. It's just great to be able to have an audience that I can do something like that with where they are willing to send me suggestions my way and I can actually get a pretty good episode out of it excuse me so again I wanted to thank everybody for even if you just voted on the poll I wanted to take a moment and thank you guys for allowing something like that to happen and special thanks go out to Sullivan and KDB for the suggestions. And if you'd like to see me do something like that again, just let me know. Uh, just hit me up on social media. So, um, also, I made an appearance on the Fallout feed. If you guys have not checked that out yet, definitely go and check that out. So, it is in episode 303. I talk about my Fallout gameplay and chat with those guys a bit um i mean i wasn't the only guy that was there there was also uh, tasman that was also on that episode but yeah it was a lot of fun and i'm definitely looking forward to be on there again and another thing that i noticed is that the eso channel on the hive discord you know the hive sponsors this show and i thank them every episode for sponsoring the show but the ESO Discord channel on the Hive Discord has just absolutely exploded in the last week. So I tried to make a Hive Guild for ESO, and it never really went anywhere. So I was a little discouraged by that. But then I noticed just in the last week that the channel exploded with conversation and at first I thought maybe it merged with another channel and then I took a closer look and I'm like holy shit man these guys are getting in there and they're chatting and they're really getting involved and it was like a sparked a new life with that so I thought about it I'm like well why the hell didn't the chant the guild that I tried to start you know really take off and I think <laughs> part of it was because the guild that I made was for North America, and a lot of these people are from Great Britain, you know, in that area in the UK. So I think maybe that was part of it, but I actually, I'll get into this a little bit with gameplay, but I got to hang out with and play some ESO with those guys yesterday, and it was a lot of fun. But um, we got some other news that I'm going to get to before I get to my gameplay. So, Patch 29 is now live on all platforms. And with this comes respects for everybody. All of, every player's uh, skill point has been reset. So, if you haven't played in a bit, you might want to go and make sure that your skill points get dispersed again. And with this comes the event that's been going on 
the Heroes Reforged event. So this also comes with a free pet, the little um, Veil Deer, or Veil Fawn uh, Pet that I had mentioned in the last episode. So with this event, you get free respects for the next two weeks. So if you use your skill points and then you realize, hey, I don't really like this build, uh, for the next two weeks, you can go around and you just find the altar to do it, and you'll be able to reset your skill points for free. And this is good because if you, I mean, you can buy respects in the crown store, but they can get kind of expensive. So, yeah, this all comes from a reset or a redesign to the champion system. So, um, yeah, definitely check this out. So, yeah, I just checked, and my uh, North American server character has 52 points that I've got to redistribute. Now, I did make a character for the European server so I can run around with the Hive family members. And thankfully, with that character being new, I didn't have to put a lot of effort into respecting it, so that's nice, at least. Could take a while to figure out what I want to do with the other character. Probably the biggest bit of news is that the sale of uh, Bethesda to Microsoft, or of Zenimax to Microsoft, has been finalized. Or, I mean, it hasn't been finalized, but it's gone through. So, yeah, if you have... If you've been living under a rock, then you haven't heard of this, but I'm pretty sure everybody else has now. So, with this, now on the Game Pass, uh, if you have the Game Pass subscription, you can get 20 different games on the Game Pass subscription if you want to get more Bethesda games. Here you go. So... Dishonored 1 and 2, Dishonored Definitive Edition, and uh, Dishonored 2 are now on there. Doom, Doom 2, Doom 3, and Doom 64 are brand new on the Game Pass subscription. Doom Eternal was already on there, but that, of course, you can still get that one. And uh, there's also four Elder Scrolls games. There's Elder Scrolls 3 Morrowind, Elder Scrolls 4 Oblivion, Elder Scrolls 5 Skyrim, and Elder Scrolls Online you can get on Game Pass. Skyrim recently went on there before all this went down, and Elder Scrolls Online has been on there for a while now, for quite a few months. I already had those. Um, kind of pissed me off because I bought Skyrim, and then right after that, like within a month, it was on Game Pass. But, you know, whatever. Uh, Evil Within is now on Game Pass. I actually downloaded that. I'm looking forward to playing that because it looks really cool. Uh, Fallout 4, Fallout 76, and Fallout New Vegas are now on Game Pass. Uh, Fallout 76 I bought, and then it went to Game Pass pretty soon after again, of course. Um, and then on Fallout 4 and Fallout New Vegas, I bought I bought uh, discs for those. So, I mean, I guess technically, I, I mean, I own them, but, you know, whatever. Um, Prey is on there. I might check that out. That looks kind of cool. Uh, Rage 2 has been on there for eons. And then uh, Wolfenstein New Order, Old Blood, and Young Blood are all on Game Pass. And uh, noticeable by its absence is Wolfenstein 2 the New Colossus. I don't know why that didn't go on Game Pass. Uh, maybe it will eventually. 
I bought New Order and, and Old Blood, and then now it's on Game Pass. Um, yeah, I bought that over the holidays because it was on sale, and I was like, hell yeah, I, w I wanted to play these. Young Blood, um, I want to like that one, but it's kind of different. It's got some different mechanics to that, and it's designed to be co-op because the main characters that you're playing as are Blaskowitz's twin daughters that were kind of introduced in the new Colossus. Uh, Anya was pregnant with them. <clears throat> and then this takes place in this next one, uh, Youngblood takes place in the 80s. And I want to like it, but it's, it's more designed to be a co-op, and if you're not playing it as a co-op, the AI really kind of sucks. Um, they're the other players just kind of there they might help a little bit but not a ton so yeah um go, definitely take advantage of this well if you have game pass because uh, it's pretty cool to see all this stuff now available for free if you have the game pass subscription anyway uh yes on to my gameplay so like I said, I mentioned my Fallout 4 gameplay on the Fallout feed, but I'll go ahead and talk about it a little bit here. So, I have the, my character Vargas on, you know, for the Fallout feed. I have been playing a lot of the other character, the character I had before I designed this Fallout feed character. And I'm now on... Uh, Far Harbor. I've been playing quite a bit of Far Harbor, but uh, this character I needed to play a little bit. So Andrew invited me to be on the show, and he's like, "Yeah, pick a date." And I'm like, "Oh, why can't we just do it this week?" So he's like, "All right, well, you can get these quests done if you would like to. You don't have to." And I'm like, "Yeah, I'm gonna go ahead and do it. I'll take a few hours today and do it." So I did the first settlement quest that sends you to the Corvega plant, and I didn't really have any, you know, much trouble with that. I did get killed once because the turret leading in there blew up the car that was right next to me. That's always fun. But I've got a pretty nice katana that I got from a mod, and I realized that with all the stuff, you know, my character started out with a one perception. You know, that's the role that I got. But with all of the apparel and everything that I was wearing, my perception was up to like six or seven, which is manageable. And I got the cryolator from the vault thanks to dog meat. So that definitely came in handy, and that's a fun weapon. The cryolator, yeah, it's basically, if you, if you don't know what it is, it's basically the Mr. Freeze gun. So I made my way through the Corvega plant. That wasn't a big deal. And then I went to Diamond City to check in with Ellie to do, you know, to go find Nick Diamond. Or, yeah, uh, not Nick Diamond, Nick Valentine. <laughs> I'm just going to leave that in there because that's hilarious. And I wasn't even thinking about Celebrity Deathmatch. But, yeah, I'm just going to leave that in there. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I go to the vault where Nick Valentine is. I get through all that. And that wasn't a big deal either. And... My perception with the stuff I was wearing was up to, or not my perception, but my charisma that I, you know, I started out with 10, and now it's up to like 12. And 
after listening to Ray's description of what he did, he actually convinced Darla to take out Skinny Malone. I wish I, I had the chance to do that, and I didn't do it because I'd never seen that happen. I just convinced Darla to walk and to convince Skinny Malone to let us walk. And then I turned around and chopped his head off with my katana. And that, <laughs> of course, chaos can, you know, ensued after that. So I get out there, and I had a little bit of time. I get out of there, and I have a little bit of time left before I have to go to work. I'm like, you know what, I'm just going to run around and look. Maybe I can find the, you know, combat zone and find Kate, who is my romance with my other player. So I look around, and then I come across Swan Lake, I think is what it's called. And I had no idea what I was in for. I, I didn't know just what was hiding underneath the water and I mentioned this on the show too it does not make sense that a super mutant behemoth was hiding in like four inches of water like what the hell or I mean I'm sure it was more than four inches but it's like ankle deep so I just see this little swan floating around in the water and I'm like oh cool I'm gonna go look at it that thing rose out of the water like Godzilla, and a- Andrew actually kind of made the comparison to Godzilla, you know, just in a wading pool, and then just dives under the water. That's pretty much what it was like. And this thing kept one and two shotting me so many times, but the way that I play, I'm like, fuck it, I'm, I'm gonna take this thing out. And Sullivan, who. Uh, contributed to the suggestion episode was watching me do you know face this thing on stream and yeah it killed me so many times but I eventually whittled it down and I was able to clear out these super mutants in this little side road and hide behind a wall while Swan kept chucking rocks at me and I just kept whittling him down with the laser musket to the point where I did take him out and that was a great note to end my stream on so that was awesome and hopefully it's still up on twitch and you guys can go check it out so um in other gameplay i mentioned luigi's mansion on nintendo uh go check that out again if you haven't heard that i'm really enjoying luigi's mansion uh kingdoms of amalur re-reckoning i recently picked that up and i've been enjoying that it is one of the guys who worked on that, worked on Oblivion. Uh, I, w- I want to say his name's Ken Ralston. I could be wrong. Don't, don't quote me on that. Jessica Starr would know. But playing it, it, it does have a bit of an indie vibe to it. It does kind of have that gritty indie vibe. It is really beautiful to look at. And you can definitely see the Oblivion inspiration there is one thing that I wish did not come over from Oblivion, and that's the fact that you can go and you can find alchemical ingredients to loot, and then you go up to loot it, and it says there's nothing of use. 
I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? I'm staring at it right now. There's flower petals, and you're saying there's nothing I can use right here? Then what's the point of having it be a point that you can go loot? Like, if, it, if there's nothing there, don't show it. But anyway, um, other than that, it's been a lot of fun. I, I've definitely been enjoying it. I played some Dragon Age Origins on stream and not on stream. Uh, everybody on Fire Riders Discord was playing that. She actually was playing it last night as I'm recording this. <clears throat> and it's fun. Um, I started a Dalish Self character, and I, I am enjoying it. Um, it's just going to take some motivation to keep playing it because I've got all this other stuff to play. I played a little bit of Assassin's Creed Odyssey. I don't know if I mentioned that on a previous episode or not. I've been playing that. But yes, um, ESO. I started a brand new character for the European server, and it's now up to like level 12. I was running around with Hive members yesterday, and we were just kind of dolmen hunting to get me leveled up so I can do some dungeons, because I've never really done any dungeons in the game. I mean, the multiplayer dungeons. Uh, it's, I've mainly played solo, and so it's kind of a new experience to be playing this games with other people. Yeah, I've played with other people in the past. I ran around with Durka a little bit, my co-host from Nintendo. Uh, he and I hopped in and ran around a little bit, and hopefully he'll make a character so we can run around and do some of this again. And he said he's going to, so... I'm looking forward to that. So if you would like to join us, definitely, definitely uh, join the Hive Discord. There's going to be a link in the show notes. Uh, we mainly play on the Xbox European server. So definitely, definitely check it out. Join the Hive Discord, and we will see you then. I am going to take a break, uh, drink some more coffee, and then we will talk about Mara. Stay tuned. Alright guys, welcome back after that little bit of a break. So today we are going to be talking about Mara. Ooh, this one loves Mara. Really? You love Mara? Well, you know, Mara is love, so this one loves Mara. Well, I can definitely appreciate that, so uh, any particular reason? Oh, you know, this one has uh, experienced love many times. Really? Oh, yes, because she loves to love. Okay, well, um, I guess I won't ask you for any more details then. Uh, probably best to keep that to yourself, buddy. Hey, do not judge. This one loves love. All right, then, yes. So Mara is also known as Mother Mara and Mother Mild and the Divine Mother, and she is the goddess of love, fertility, agriculture, and compassion. And she is the acclaimed mother goddess and is one of the divines, of course. So as with the other uh, Adra, there's a quote from the pocket guide to the third to the Empire of the Third Edition. It says, Come to me, Mara, for without you I might forget the ways of our fathers and dreaming by the light of latest fashion. My words might tremble like thin reeds of novelty in the tempest of enthusiasms. So, yes, Mara is uh, the goddess of love, fertility, agriculture, and compassion, as I mentioned earlier. 
In the late Merithic era, Mara was originally worshipped simply as the fertility goddess, but the sphere of the divine later extended to agriculture and love. Nur, the female principle of the cosmos credited as the mother of creation, is occasionally associated with Mara as a result of her role as the goddess of fertility and agriculture. Mara is considered a near-universal deity as the divine is featured in the pantheons of all the races of the continent of Tamriel, save the Dunmer and the Argonians. So, according to the creation myth presented in the Anud, Mara and Adra were born from the mingled blood of Anu and Padome. I haven't really gotten into this. Um, I just haven't really talked about the creation myth at length yet. So, Anu and Padme are the good and evil primal forces, respectively, and therefore have a capacity for both good and evil in contrast to the Daedra, who are born from the blood of Padme, and thus are only evil. I don't know how much I agree with that, because say what you want about Molag Ball and Maren's Dagon, I just, I don't really see Azura as an evil entity. Yeah, there are winged twilights and stuff like that, but for the most part, I don't really see Azura as evil. But I guess we'll get to that when we get to the episode on Azura. So the creation myth of the Khajiit claims that Mara is the mother cat. It describes her as the daughter of Anur, which is Anu, and Fatime, which is Padme. The formation of Akatosh, the dragon god of time, from the mingled, brother, mingled blood of the brothers of Anu and Padme, facilitated the formation of Mara. And the gods, as they weren't the structure of, weren't structure themselves. So this is kind of like, you know how I said a lot of the times these, you know, beings exist in a lot of these pantheons just under different names, and that's kind of the case here. Although with Mara, they gave Mara the the body of a cat, I guess. Yeah, the, yeah. Shezer's song, a Cyrodiilic creation myth, acclaims the creation of Mundus to the sacrifice of Mara and the gods whose sacrifices were embodied with the ep- eponymous planets. Mara and the gods were subsequently bound to the earth bones as a result. The moons of Mezer and Secunda are claimed to be the embodiment the lovers of Mara and Shandar, respectively, as created by the divines. Different cultures attribute different relationships between Mara and the other gods. So, the Nords of Skyrim consider Mara to be the handmaiden of Kine and the concubine of Shor, which is, you know, an incarnation of Lorcan. However, the Bretons, Altmer and Bosmer, consider Mara to be the wife of Akatosh or Auriel to the elves. Other faiths claim that Mara as the wife of Lorcan or the concubine of Akatosh, or in some cases, the concubine of both. That would be interesting. In Arche, the god of birth and death, Morphus the scribe claims that Mara defied Arche, the god of birth and death, so to allow him to teach mortals the necessity of life and death. In the first era, the divine punished Sai, the god of luck, and deprived him of his body for the future to uphold his pact with Ebonarm, the god of war, to spread the luck throughout Tamriel in the god's absence. 
Saint Alessia consulted with Mora during her slave revolt against the aliens in the First Era. The Warp in the West, also known as the Miracle of Peace in Third Era 417, is claimed as the work of Mara Akatosh and Stendar. It is unknown if Mara successfully destroyed the Skull of Corruption, a Daedric artifact in Fourth Era 201. Yeah, that <laughs> it'll be interesting to see what happens in the next game, you know, considering you know, all the different ways you can go. So did the Stormcloaks or the you know Imperials win the Civil War. It's just, there's a lot that was left on kind of a cliffhanger at the end of Skyrim, and I guess it was the same with Oblivion. We didn't know if some of these factions survived. So let's get into some of Mara's teachings. So as the goddess of love, Mara is the bearer of love and shines the light of love on all mortals. Mara gave life to mortals so that they may love. The gift of love was bestowed upon mortals by the divine so to honor Mara and to allow them to understand the true nature of the divines. Mara teaches that love provides nourishment to all mortals, nourishment and life. The divine commands mortals to live soberly and peacefully, honor your parents and preserve the peace and security of home and family. Mara's benevolence is eternal to those who offer love to the divine, and it will never be forsaken. The warmth of Mara shapes the destiny of mortals and can be felt across Tamriel. Priests of Mara teach that the divine is omnipresent and her love and affection can be found in the heart of all mortals, thus linking them to Mara. The holy truth declares that love creates life, and therefore those who love create more life. Well, I guess I can see that. <laughs> but uh, we're not we're not really going to get into that. Mara is also the patron of marriage, and the act of union is carried out at her shrines and temples. We see that in Skyrim. That was the first time that your player character could actually get married. So in the other games, and I guess I didn't really mention this, because um, we were mainly talking about the transition from Morrowind to Oblivion, but in Oblivion and in, in the earlier games, you see couples that are married. Um, I want to say it's Coral. You know, there's a married couple that you know deals with the Mages Guild. But you yourself could not get married. That actually was new in Skyrim, and that was really nice to see. So, yeah, Mara is the patron of marriage, and the act of union is carried out at her shrines and temples, and the divines teach that the spark of union between two mortals comes from within and is not based on appearance. The oaths and vows of marriage create life from love and are respected in the name of Mara. The act of union is confirmed upon taking the pledge of Mara, and Mara does not place any restrictions on marriage. Thus, all may marry, irrespective of gender or race, and unite souls in the holy union. Mara makes her will known to her priests through visions and commands, and commands them to aid those love needs guidance. Aid those who love needs guidance. I cannot talk today. I apologize. The priesthood of Mara strive to unite all mortals and are intolerant of those who are intolerant of others. So there's a little mechanic. If you wish to get married in Skyrim, you wear an amulet of Mara. 
and you know there there are other amulets yeah if you're if you're a do- devotee of a particular you know divine whether it be talos or you know julianos or whatever there are amulets but specifically with mara you wear her amulet to show that you are looking for marriage so um, let's talk about the worship of mara in other you know, provinces so let's talk about black marsh so the majority of population of the province of Black Marsh venerate the Hist, which we talked about in the episode about the Argonians. However, in the second era, worship among the Argonians of Black Marsh of Mara and the gods was limited to a small minority of those who had assimilated to the culture of the empire. Imperial missionary efforts in the province in the third era were unsuccessful as missionaries died from local diseases, probably the gnat flu. But there was also Mfolo, where the Temple of Mara was constructed. So these diseases were out or kind of breaking out around the temple. Mara is known to have been worshipped as a member of the pantheon of the Kothringi, which is a race that was wiped out by the gnat flu, unfortunately. They're a silver-skinned human race, man race. The indigenous human, they were, yeah, they were humans that lived in Black Marsh, which takes a lot. Like, Black Marsh is a really harsh environment. But uh, Mara was considered to be one of the three mothers in that were around us, as well as Debella and Kinnereth. So, yeah, it's kind of sad what ultimately happened at the Kothringi. They were completely wiped out by the Nat flu. So, um, let's talk about Cyrodiil. The Imperials of the province of Cyrodiil venerate Mara and the Divines, and she's considered to be one of the Cyrodiil pantheon. There's a temple devoted to Mara in uh, Breville when you're uh, running around in oblivion. So a benevolence of Mara, a cathedral dedicated to the divine, was located in the imperial city, the capital province in the late first era under the Raymond dynasty. In the fifth century of the second era, the imperial city was also home to the Yukudan temple in the Mark district, which was considered a shrine to Marwa, shaped like a beehive. So um, there's a temple of Mara and later a great chapel of Mara, noted, uh, which I noted is in Breville. In the late third era, way shrines dedicated to the divine can be found around the countryside. Yeah, this is what I was talking about with the Knights of the Nine DLC. So usually there's a shrine dedicated to a specific uh, divine located basically just outside the city and they give you a map to find all these to pray at these way shrines for forgiveness and it was kind of a pain i was not the best part of the dlc that was that's one of the reasons why it was really hard for me to do that dlc is because the map they gave you was basically useless but at the same time, once you go around and do all this, then you can really get into the meat and potatoes of the DLC, and that's going around finding all the pieces of the armor of the um, champion, you know, Pelina Whitestrake. So you just have to go, you have to figure out, okay, uh, I've already been to this city, let's, you know, and looked right outside the city here. Let's go to the next one. So once you figure that out, it's fine. But it's getting to that point. So um, at this time in the Third Era, the office of the Archbishop of Mara is attested. 
a waste shrine of Mara is northwest of the city of Anvil, and it was destroyed during the Oblivion Crisis in Third Era 433, so I guess that shrine ended up getting destroyed. The chapel in Anvil actually did get invaded by Umeril's lackeys, but I guess the waste shrine outside of Anvil got destroyed also. So, um, yeah, in the same year, the Great Chapel of Mara Edbreville was desecrated by Orin's Adedra in the service of Meridia, and several of its priests were killed. Alright, let's uh, talk about Hammerfell now. The worship of Mara in the province of Hammerfell is divided between the crowns, who represent the conservatives, and forebearers, who represent the cosmopolitan redguards. Mara is known to both crowns and forebearers as Marwa, which I mentioned earlier, the fertility goddess. However, the names Marwa and Mara are used interchangeably among the forebearers. Marwa is considered the favorite wife of Akatosh, or Ruptga, to the forebearers and crowns respectively. The goddess is always depicted with four arms so that she may grab more husbands. That's interesting. I have never seen that before. Um, I'll have to look, see if maybe there's a statue or, of something like that in Stros Mackay or somewhere in Hammerfell. I have never seen that before. So Mara is worshipped throughout Hammerfell, including the island of Stros Mackay, which I just mentioned, and is the patron deity of the regions of Antiphilos, Iasphora, I, I think that's how you pronounce that, Ephesus, and Iacolon. In the late Third Era, similarly to High Rock, the benevolence of Mara was responsible for the administration of temples dedicated to Mara, and the Maran Knights was also active in the province at this time. A conservatorium of Marwa is located at the city of Agathe in the late First Era. So, let's talk about High Rock now. So, Mara, a member of the Pantheon of Bretons, is the patron deity of several regions of High Rock, such as Anticlare, Betany, Glenumbra, Morse, and Northmoor. In Anticlare, the 21st of the last seed was known as Appreciation Day, an ancient holiday of thanksgiving for the bountiful harvest. It was considered a holy contemplative day devoted to Mara, the goddess protector of the region. In the late Third Era, temples dedicated to the divines were administered by the benevolence of Mara. A religious organization, organization dedicated to Mara and her teachings, and could be found in major urban centers throughout the province. The benevolence of Mara was led by a patriarch who is allied to the Temple of Stendar, a religious organization dedicated to Stendar and his teachings. We'll talk about that when we get to Stendar. The Maran Knights were a controversial knightly order dedicated to Mara and the protection of her temples. Some within the priesthood of Mara called for a disbandment of the order, while others argued that the order was necessary to create peace. So that is High Rock. Let's talk about Morrowind. The Denmer of Morrowind largely neglect worship of Mara and the Divines. However, in the late Third Era, worship of Mara and the Divines was practiced by a small minority of Dunmer on the island of Vardenfell, which is where Elder Scrolls III Morrowind takes place primarily. Uh, you do go to Ebenhart and places like that, but for the most part, you are on Vardenfell. 
Worship of the Divines in Vardenfell in the late Third Era was largely confined to its non-Dunmer population who prayed at shrines operated by the Imperial cult. Yeah, that's something I didn't really mention in the last episode. So, um, in the game Morrowind, there's kind of a battle going on between the Imperial Pantheon worshippers and the Tribunal worshippers, so uh, people who worship the Tribunal, Almalexia, Vivek, and Sothasil. And <laughs> there, there's a lot going on there. So basically you are a character who ultimately fulfills a prophecy to overthrow the tribunal and uh, that causes some tension between the you and the native Dunmer because I mean we'll, we'll talk about this I'll, I'll do a three-part episode on the tribunal but basically the tribunal got their powers from the heart of Lorcan so you ultimately have to destroy the heart of Lorcan and they've realized this. That is why, um, supposedly, the tribunal had Endoral Nerevar killed. Was because he he was gonna he was a threat to their power. And ultimately, you are the reincarnation of him. That's basically the story of Marland in a nutshell. But um, yeah, I. I neglected to mention there is another form of fast travel in Morrowind there well there's two that I failed to mention one you can pay money and travel in between the different branches of the mages guild in Morrowind but there's also divine intervention and another uh, that that's a spell and there's another spell that starts with an a I'm blanking on the name of it but the divine intervention spell takes you to the nearest imperial cult shrine and the other one that starts with an A trap takes you to the nearest tribunal temple so yeah I've, I neglected to mention that in the last episode there, there's a lot that I could have gotten into but I just felt like I didn't have the time so um, where was I here a shrine to Mara and the Divines was also located at the Royal Palace of Mournhold during this time in the Third Era at 427. Following the collapse of the Tribunal Temple in Third Era 427, which I mentioned earlier, yeah, the, the Tribunal DLC in Morrowind just, it shows the uh, ultimate destruction of the Tribunal. So, worshippers of Mara in Fourth Era, uh, Third Era three twenty. Third Era four twenty seven. If I could talk, I really apologize. Worshippers of Mara and the Divines formally formed the majority of the Hualu and Vardenfell districts in the Second Era during the Three Banners War, which is the events of Elder Scrolls Online. Shrines of Mara were located in cities of Davin's Watch and Mournhold. So that is Morrowind. Yeah, there. There's a lot. You, you just have to play Morrowind. I know it might take a bit to get into the game, but there's just so much going on. It's crazy. All right, so let's talk about Skyrim, which I did mention a little bit earlier with the 
necklace, the amulets and all that. So the divine is also worshipped as a member of the Nordic pantheon. In the second era, Mara was associated with ice wolves that inhabited the mouth of the White River. Wait, there's a White River in Skyrim? There's a White River in Indiana, which is where I live. <laughs> Funny. So uh, there is uh, a shrine that is that inhabit the mouth of the White River in northeast of the province. Mara is worshipped in the province of Skyrim, and it was widespread in the fourth era, and the shrines dedicated to the divine can be found in both in the wilderness and in urban centers such as the Temple of the Divines in Solitude and the Temple of Mara in Riften. A pond in the hold of Eastmarch was named after Mara, and some argue that the return of the dragons in fourth era 201 was a sign from Mara signaling her displeasure with the people of Skyrim. I don't know about that, but... I'd, I'd never heard that before, but, I mean, to each their own, I guess. Alright, let's talk about the Somerset Isles, which is where the Altmer are from. Mara is worshipped in, in the High Elven Pantheon as well. There is a legend regarding Enemeral, the Archon of Song, who would always sing about the beauty of Mara. Nenmil would feel no greater love than that of Mara's will, and he would go on a pilgrimage to see Mara's beauty in person. His journey eventually took him to the now what is now known as Argent's Grove, where he found the Rose of Argent. When he saw the flower, he realized that Mara was beauty incarnate, and it was found in every exquisite thing, including the rose that he had found that brought him to this revelation. From then on, Nenemil would preach of Mara's beauty, and the Rose of Archon would honor and represent her. The Rose of Archon would be collected by the Sapiarchs, and this uh, became the Day of the Divine Reverence, which is honor for Mara, and it, last, or it lasted for 58 days, or it does last for 58 days. So, the Day of Divine Reverence lasts for 58 days. Huh, I'd never heard that before. So. Alright, we got some artifacts that we need to mention. So, during the Three Banners War in the Second Era, a Temple of Mara is located in Breville, Cyrodiil, and it was home to several holy relics of Mara, including a chalice, a flactory, a dagger, and a circle. The Chalice of Mara was alleged to have been a wedding gift from Mara to St. Alessia, founder of the Alessian Empire, at her wedding to Morihas. In Second Era 582, the Sphinxmoth Bandits, a group of bandits operating from the neighboring Fort Sphinxmoth, they looted the temple of its valuables, including the relics. The bandits were defeated by the Vestige, which is your player character, and the relics were subsequently returned to the temple. In Third Era 427 on the island of Ardenfell, so this takes place during the events of Morrowind, the Divine appeared before the Nerevarine as an apparition in the form of a Breton woman named Amanine and was gifted the, and gifted the Nerevarine her blouse and skirt. Uh, I've never encountered that before, but I, yeah, because I think I would notice if some woman just gave me her blouse and skirt and started running around in her underwear i mean you do encounter people in their underwear in skyrim or not skyrim but marlin from time to time you encounter this naked nord that had his clothes stolen by a woman 
or witch or yeah <laughs> but uh i've never had a woman just give me her clothes i'm gonna have to look that up now so uh some claim the everflow ewer was created by morrow of the crusaders relics which is what i was talking about earlier the it is unknown as to whether mara created the curious or the greaves of the crusader the crusaders relics were a set of artifacts created by the divines in the early first era for Pelham white streak which i would mentioned the divine crusader uh, was then allowed to defeat and banish umrell the unfeathered and which was an alien sorcerer king which i mentioned in the other uh, Adra episodes. Pelinol, despite his victory over Umaril, was slain, and the Crusader's relics were scattered and lost for thousands of years. The Curious of the Crusader was held by Worm the Elenquin in Cyrodiil until recovered by Sir Emil Lennis, a member of the Chivalric Order from the Knights of the Nine. In Third Era 111, the Curious was stored in the Undercroft of the Priory of the Nine, which is where it lay until recovered by the Champion of Cyrodiil in Third Era 433. The Greaves of the Crusader were recovered by Sir Beric Vlindril and were buried with him in the Vlindril family tomb, but was later recovered by Sir Roderick of Wayrest and his squire Lathan, who gifted the Greaves to the Champion of Cyrodiil. So... That is it as far as Mara. There is a lot more with Mara than there was with a lot of the other Adras. So once again, I would like to thank the Hive for sponsoring this podcast as always. And thank you to the UESP for the information, the unofficial Elder Scrolls page. Any information you need, go to them. Uh, if you don't come here first so they've got a lot of walkthroughs a lot of uh, trivia facts things like that so great source of information and uh, definitely definitely check out the hive discord as i mentioned earlier um we've been playing some eso and uh, i'll probably be hopping on again today to do some dungeon crawling with these guys so um I've got a link to their Discord, to the Hives Discord, in the show notes. And uh, if you would like to join me, as I said, I play on Xbox, and my screen name is Sulior, S-U-L-I-O-R-E. You can follow my personal Instagram and Twitter at iangold08, and you can follow the show on Instagram at TamRelicAdventures and Twitter at TamRelicP. And if you could also do me a favor and rate the show and review on iTunes and Apple Podcast, it definitely helps get some eyes on the show and um, just help the show grow. Tell your friends, tell your neighbors, tell your um, send a note out on your dog just saying they follow the show. No, don't do that. I, I don't condone that. Um, we love our dogs. I love my dog. She's made an appearance on the show a few times, and I'm surprised she hasn't today, to be honest. But yes, I always forget to mention this, but the, one of the best ways to help the show grow is to spread the word and to rate and review on Apple Podcasts. Um, there's something else that i kind of been considering, and I might post a poll about this, but... What would you guys think about merch for the show? Would you be interested in a shirt or a hat or something? Maybe I could get some masks made up. 
Um, it's something I've been considering lately, and if you guys would be up for it, I would be happy to go about figuring out how to get some of this stuff made. Um, Fire Rider, she's got some artists on her Discord. Um, KDB, he's also a great graphic artist. He actually did the graphics for the show, like the show logo and all that, and thanks again to him for all that. But it's just something that I've kind of been thinking about, and I might, like I said, I might post a poll on Twitter and see if you guys would be up for something like that. I always joke around with people saying that the first thing that I, the first shirt that I'm ever going to put out is a shirt that has my screen name Sulior spelled phonetically, so people can figure out how the hell to pronounce it. But yeah, if you're interested in something like that, let me know. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, also, if you would like to watch my Twitch streams, I stream, you know, a few times a day, or not a day, a week, you know, maybe three times a week, three or four times a week. Um, like I said, I streamed yesterday. I was uh, streaming with some Hive fellow, mem- you know, fellow Hive members, although I couldn't really figure out how to get their voices heard also. So you basically just heard me, and it sounded like you were hearing me talking to myself, but yeah, I was chatting with you know like three other hive members and it was a lot of fun so i look forward to doing that maybe i can just get them to talk in guild chat not in a an xbox chat you know anyway i'm gonna quit rambling and uh i guess as always stay safe adventurers